your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 585 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. And the Rangers, just a short time ago here on Saturday afternoon, getting into the early evening, came up short in Boston against the Bruins, falling 3-1 to and having their four-game winning streak halted in the process. There's nothing about this loss that's really uh, all that concerning, I don't think. Obviously, we're getting really, really close to the playoffs, and you know, every time the Rangers play a game, you always kind of think of it in terms of, okay, well, how does this kind of bode for postseason hockey? You know, there's definitely uh, kind of a knack to look into the future and look toward postseason hockey when you're this late in the season and you know that your team is going to the playoffs. Uh, But, you know, the Rangers, they'd won four in a row coming in. It can't last forever. Uh, Even with this loss, they are now 7-3-1 in the month of April, and they are 7-2 in their last nine games. I think to me, as far as why they lost this game, it comes down to two things that really kind of stood out for me. And Really, they both kind of go hand-in-hand with each other, but the first one is that I think the Bruins, maybe just a little bit more opportunistic than the Rangers, just were able to, you know, finish their scoring opportunities a little bit better. They just seemed to have the scoring touch today that the Rangers didn't quite have. And the second one, and perhaps uh, the one that was even more of a factor as far as why the Bruins won this game, I think for the very, very first time in a very, very long time, Igor Shesterkin... And he was really good in this game, don't get me wrong. But I think Igor was actually outdueled by the opposing goalie. Uh, Linus Olmark had himself a whale of a game. One of the best games that we've seen an opposing goalie play against the Rangers in a very, very long time this season. Uh, again, Igor was sharp. He made some really tough saves throughout this game. I thought Olmark was just maybe a little bit better. It's not going to happen very often, you know, Igor getting outdueled by anybody. But uh, I thought maybe it happened in this game just by a little bit, just by a marginal uh, advantage uh, for Olmark over Igor Shesterkin. So uh, that's kind of what stood out. And of course, the big thing here is that the Rangers, not to make excuses, you know, it's next man up. And I don't want to turn into those ESPN announcers talking about Sidney Crosby a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, they felt the need to remind us at least 800 times that Sidney Crosby was not playing in that game against the Rangers. Uh, but I do have to point out the fact, at least, that no Capo Caco, no Filipino, no Andrew Kopp. So the Rangers were certainly compromised in this game and were not playing with their A lineup. And the lineup that we're all keeping our fingers crossed takes the ice for game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, whoever the Rangers might be scoring off against in game one and in round one. We, of course, know that the Rangers will have home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, so that's going to be great to see. As far as what the Rangers did, how they handled the absences of all these players, and really we could probably throw Tyler Mott in there as well. I mean, I guess technically we could throw Sammy Blay in there as well. Uh, But with Mott, not expected back until 
at the very earliest, the second round of the playoffs, so the Rangers have to get there first, so then I guess it at least becomes possible. And Sammy Blay, it's been a while since we've heard any, anything about him. If he comes back, if he becomes an option at some point for the Rangers, either early in the playoffs, late in the playoffs, I think we all just got to consider that an added bonus. But uh, the three relatively new injuries, again, Kako, Heedle, and Kopp, and the way the Rangers lined up without those guys, you keep the first line intact. You've got Mika Zibanejad centering Chris Kreider and Frank Vitrano. I don't think too many people are going to argue against that at this point. I mean, they've all been great together, and Vitrano's obviously gotten a nice boost from playing with the two of them. He's been great since the Rangers brought him over here, uh, getting toward the trade deadline. The second line was a little bit different, though. Ryan Strom in his normal position at center. You've got Artemi Panarin on the left wing, and you've got Dryan Hunt on the right wing. And I get the feeling there were probably a decent amount of Ranger fans that saw Hunt playing on the second line and were thinking like, oh man, what are we doing? Like, why is Dryan Hunt back in the top six? We all, we have all these other options. You know, there's no reason for him to be here. Here's why I was okay with this. If you take the Rangers at face value when it comes to these injury reports, which I realize little bit of a dicey proposition. They always tend to kind of, uh, you know, overshoot the return dates or undershoot it. They always think that the player's going to get back uh, before he actually does get back. But if the Rangers are to be believed as it pertains to the injury report, then Kako, Heedle, and Kopp will all be ready to go for the playoffs and should even get into uh, at least maybe like two of these last three uh, remaining regular season games before the playoffs start. So the fact that it's just a quick fix, it's not something that's going to be permanent. Certainly, I don't think Dryan Hunt is going to line up on the second line when the playoffs start. I think it makes sense to put Hunt there. I mean, there is some familiarity. He played with Panarin and Strong quite a bit earlier this season. And on top of that, you know, the Ranger third line has really looked good, and I realize, you know, Kako's now, of course, missing, but you keep Goudreau and Lafreniere together, who both probably would have been options to step onto the second line, but instead you keep those two together because, again, that line is, is clicked pretty nicely, and you throw Julian Gauthier in there as well. Gauthier, uh, of course, has been a healthy scratch recently. He hadn't played since April 3rd, and it's Gauthier, just his second game since March 15th. And then for the fourth line, you've got... Kevin Rooney centering Greg McKaig on the left wing, Ryan Reeves on the right wing. And in a roundabout way here, this isn't exactly what I wanted to have happen, but if you guys remember, I believe it was an episode last week, I just kind of went through you know, a pretty informal checklist of some things that I would like to see from the New York Rangers down the stretch here as this team gears up for what is hopefully uh, a legendary run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll see how everything shakes out. But what I want them to do was to mix some of the guys who are typically healthy scratches back into the lineup for at least one, maybe two games down the stretch here. Because as I've talked about in the past, look, I know a lot of Ranger fans don't get excited about seeing Greg McKay in the lineup. I get it. But if it comes down to, you know, a situation in the playoffs where the Rangers are in like a game four or a game five and, you know, the, the playoffs are rolling, maybe it's the second round and the Rangers have a couple of injuries, a couple of guys out of the lineup. Do you really want Greg McKay, you know, in the first round, the second round, whatever it might be, to step back into the lineup uh, after having not played a hockey game in, say, like, I don't know, a month, six weeks? two months. That's probably not ideal either. And as for Greg McKaig, uh, this was his first game since April 1st. Uh, he played in that game uh, when the Rangers played the Islanders. So in a roundabout way, if you're looking at this, you know, glass half full, 
First of all, the, the best news of this whole situation is that, again, it does not sound like Kako, Heedle, or Cop are going to be in any danger of missing any playoff games if you take the Rangers at face value. But the silver lining here also is that those two guys I just mentioned, Gautier and McKeg, they get a chance to step back onto the ice here, hopefully shake off any rust. I mean, I don't think either one of them were world beaters in this game today, but at least they're getting to play some hockey, and at least they will be ready if there's a situation in the playoffs where they're called upon. In an ideal situation... We don't see either player in the playoffs, and that's not a knock on either guy. They both work hard. They both have had, you know, a couple of moments here and there and have played uh, at least a small role in helping the Rangers get to where they are. But yeah, I, I think at this point, pretty much any Ranger fan on the planet will all take Kako and Heedle and Cop over these guys, especially when you consider that the Ranger lineup was definitely at least a little bit compromised today, uh, not having any of these three guys in the lineup. And as far as the rest of the Ranger lineup, there's another ongoing position battle. I want to talk about that in just a second, as well as get to some uh, highlights and lowlights from this game. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I was talking about how the Rangers obviously, you know, have coped with the absences of Cop and Heedle and Kako and, you know, how they've lined up and why I thought it was okay that Dryden Hunt got a cameo on the second line in this game. Uh, it's also worth pointing out while we're on the subject here that uh, toward the end of this game, certainly in the third period, Dryden Hunt lost his spot on the second line because, of course, the Rangers for a good chunk of this game, uh, certainly in the third period there, were trailing by two goals. You're looking for some offense, so you don't really want Dryden Hunt seeing top six minutes at that juncture of the game, and the Rangers uh, flip-flopped him and Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere got some minutes uh, with Panarin and Strom down the stretch in this game, uh, so obviously the Rangers adjusted on the fly there, went with the guy that could uh, potentially give them a little bit more offense, but just wasn't meant to be. Like we said, uh, Omar had a really good game for the Bruins. But the other big position battle, as far as the playoffs are concerned, that is still ongoing for this team is, once again, that third defenseman pairing. As we've talked about, there are three guys for two spots. You've got Justin Braun, Braden Schneider, and Patrick Nemeth. And if you haven't figured it out by now, you probably have figured it out by now, but I'll just pretty much make it official here. Braden Schneider is going to be on the ice when the puck drops in game one of the Ranger playoff series against whoever they're playing in the first round in Madison Square Garden of the Stanley Cup playoffs because he's been out there pretty much the entire month. And it's crazy because after the Rangers struck that trade for Justin Braun, the first game post-trade deadline, Braden Schneider was the odd man out. They went with uh, Nemeth and Braun as the third defense pairing. It was not a good game, that game against the Devils. Not saying that, you know, both those guys should be, you know, buried on the depth chart because of it. But obviously, you know, it didn't go that well for the Rangers. Uh, Schneider has mixed back into the lineup. And if you just look at the month of April, 
Uh, Braden Schneider has played in 10 out of a possible 11 games this month, including the last nine in a row. The last time he sat out a game was Sunday, April 3rd against the Philadelphia Flyers. So Schneider, I mean, unless his play just falls off a cliff in these last three games here, unless Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff have a real change of heart, you know, going into the playoffs that they just need guys with experience, then certainly Braden Schneider, you can pencil him into your game one lineup for sure. And I think deservedly so. I think this is the way to go. I was never on board with the idea of bringing Justin Braun if it meant that Braden Schneider was going to be a healthy scratch basically every single night. And that has not happened. Braden Schneider has played well. He's done everything he can to hang on to his roster spot and make sure he sticks in the lineup. And again, nine straight starts for Braden Schneider. So Schneider looks like he's in, and that pretty much means that it's down to uh, Braun versus Nemeth as far as, you know, who could be the final defenseman in the lineup. And that's also very interesting because if you look at their usage in the month of April, uh, Nemeth, he was in the lineup today. Braun was the odd man out. But Nemeth has played in six out of a possible 11 games in April. And Braun also has played in six out of a possible 11 games in April. So the two of them continue to kind of uh, rotate in and out of the lineup. We'll see if the Rangers look to continue going with that strategy in the playoffs. It could be very much touch and go. You might see them continue to simply rotate these guys in and out. But I will say this. I think game one is going to determine quite quickly which of these Ranger defensemen between Braun and Nemeth sticks in the lineup for most of the series? Because whichever one they go with in game one, if he goes out there and he has a really strong game and the Rangers win the game, especially if it's by a good margin, then that guy has a little bit more rope. You got to figure he'll be back out there for game two and going forward. But if anything happens in game one, if they go with one of these guys or the other and the Rangers either lose or this defenseman simply just does not play well, then you could certainly see them making a change going into game two. And at that point, you know, that guy then the guy who wasn't in for game one will have an opportunity to take the bull by the horns in game two. So I think game one, whichever one of them gets the uh, the start, whichever one of them dresses between the two of them, uh, their play in that game might very well dictate who is the Rangers' sixth and final defenseman going forward in the playoffs. The other unfortunate news here, though, as far as the Rangers and their playoff standing is that uh, the Devils really blew it today. I mean, what else is new? They, they've had a terrible season, but um, they were up apparently two to nothing against the Carolina Hurricanes with about five minutes to go in regulation, and they blew it, and the Hurricanes won three to two, and the Canes get two points, and so now uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have a two-point lead on the New York Rangers. Both teams have exactly three regular season games remaining, so we'll see how that shakes out, but obviously, you know, if the Devils could have protected a two-goal lead, you know, with five minutes to go, then the Rangers would still be tied with the Carolina Hurricanes right now. I realize you can't rely on other teams to do your dirty work, but come on, Devils, win a game once in a while. And as far as, you know, the potential tiebreaker situation, it comes down to regulation wins, which basically just, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's total wins by a team, not including overtime wins and or shootout wins. And right now, the Carolina Hurricanes have 44 regulation wins. The Rangers have 43 uh, regulation wins. Now, if they're tied in that set, it goes to uh, non-shootout wins. So it's uh, regulation wins plus overtime wins. Right now, the Canes have 50 of those. The Rangers have 47. So it certainly looks at this point uh, like the Canes would probably end up with a tiebreaker if they end up being tied. But obviously, that game on Tuesday between the Rangers and Canes is going to be huge. It could uh, end up determining the winner of the Metro Division. Rangers are going to play host to the Canes at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night.
But now that we're all caught up as far as where the uh, New York Rangers stand in the playoff chase and tiebreakers and all that good stuff, we are going to switch our attention back to this game, get into some highlights and lowlights in just a second. We're going to talk about uh, Keandre Miller just laying out Brad Marchand in the middle of the ice. That was a beautiful sight for sure. And there was also a pretty crazy uh, scrum after uh, Adam Fox took a hit from behind from McAvoy and Dryden Hunt basically attacked him. We're going to get to all that stuff, all the fisticuffs and all the highlights and lowlights in just a second. First, just got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. I am sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. You know, like I was saying in the intro, I don't know that there was any aspect of this game that the Bruins like completely dominated the the Rangers or were skating circles around them. I thought the Bruins' uh, best sequence of this game occurred early in the second period. Obviously, that's when Taylor Hall scored a goal just a minute and seven seconds into the middle stanza, and the Bruins also got a goal late in the first period by David Pasternak. And despite the fact that Pasternak scored a goal with 37 seconds to go in the first 20 minutes there, I didn't feel like the... Bruins, excuse me, uh, had the better of play in the first period at all. I thought that was maybe the best period that the Rangers played. They spent a ton of time on Boston's side of the ice. They were relentless on the forecheck. They had an offensive zone possession, did the Rangers, that lasted for a couple of minutes and a couple of different lines being on the ice. You know, they actually uh, cycled uh, a couple of different line changes. The puck briefly came out to the neutral zone. Rangers put it right back in and again, sustained offensive zone time. A couple of scoring chances came out of that. Like we said, Allmark made Made some really nice saves, but overall, thought the Rangers killed it in the first period. It was unfortunate that they gave up that late goal, and then a uh, little bit of a slow start to the second period. Taylor Hall scored here, and uh, you know, a couple other chances for the Bruins, and a couple of nice saves by Igor Shesterkin to hold the score at two to nothing at that time. But yeah, you know, you look at these stats. I mean, the Bruins they outshot the Rangers not by a lot, thirty-five to thirty-one. They did pretty much dominate the face-off circle, 62% to 38%. That's not uncommon with the Bruins because they are such a good face-off team. The Rangers have certainly gotten better in that department, but uh, they're not quite uh, on the same level as the Bruins as far as the dot is concerned. But then, you know, the Rangers won the power play battle. They went one for three on the power play. Bruins went 0 for three. I thought both Ranger special teams units looked pretty good in this game, especially the kill. Uh, you had the Rangers out hitting the Bruins, 34 to 24. That would have never been possible as recently as even like a year ago, certainly two years ago. Obviously, the Rangers much more physical team now than they were then. Uh, the Rangers blocked 17 shots. The Bruins only blocked 11. Both teams had nine giveaways. You get the idea. There's nothing that Boston, you know, with the exception of the faceoff circle, really dominated in this game. It was just a case of uh, them having a good goalie performance and just taking advantage of uh, some of the scoring opportunities that they had. 
And I mentioned the work of both special teams units a second ago. Once again, I think the Rangers won that battle, whether they were on the power play or shorthanded in this game here. But I will say, I, I kind of had to smile to myself just a little bit when the Rangers took a too many men on the ice penalty. Not because I want to see that, but it just kind of made me appreciate the fact that they don't do this nearly as often as they used to. Again, as recently as last season, I got to believe that the Rangers, uh, last season and the season before that, if you combine those two seasons, they got to be at or near the top of the NHL in terms of uh, how many, too many men on the ice penalties that all of these teams have taken. The Rangers had to be at or near the top of that list. And obviously, hasn't really happened a whole lot this season. It's not something that you ever want to see, and it's one of those things that really shouldn't happen. But you play 82 games, probably going to happen at least once or twice. And uh, just nice to see that the Rangers have cut back on that penalty as well as done a whole lot of other things, a heck of a lot better than they were doing, uh, once again, as recently as just a season or two ago. But there were a couple of things that happened in the second period that I definitely want to call some attention to here. Uh, first, you know, I alluded to this just a couple of minutes ago, but uh, Brad Marchand, who apparently has been scuffling for the Bruins lately, I mean, you hate to see it, could not possibly happen to a nicer guy. But he gains the Ranger blue line. He's kind of moving uh, horizontally across the ice, and he's dancing and trying to, you know, bust out some kind of uh, slick move. Think of these Artemi Panarin or something. And uh, tries to play the puck between his own legs, and Keandre Miller is there, and he didn't have any time for any of this razzle-dazzle stuff from Brad Marchand. He absolutely just creamed him. I mean, clean as a whistle, uh, you know, shoulder to chest, knocked him on his back in the middle of the ice, down to the ice, and... Uh, I will say this. I mean, if you do this against the Pittsburgh Penguins, their whole team is going to attack you. The Bruins here, they took the hit like adults. Nobody had any issues with the hit by Keandre Miller here. Good, clean hit. Nothing wrong with it. Good hockey play, and they did not react to it. Uh, there was an instance not too long after this. In fact, just a couple of minutes at the most. Uh, there was a little bit of a mini brawl in the Boston side of the ice. You had Adam Fox. He's in deep. He's got the puck kind of near the corner, and he gets hit from behind by McAvoy, and basically, Dryden Hunt at this point was out for blood. I mean, he just went nuts. You had Fox taking the hit from behind, and it was a dangerous hit. Um, the, the good news is that he didn't get shoved headfirst into the boards, which can so often happen in situations like this. You know, Fox was hit by McAvoy from behind, and he fell down, but Dryden Hunt, Ryan Strom, both Johnny on the spot. They both get there, and they both, they're both they right after him. And Hunt was basically just enraged. I mean, he was trying to fight him. He couldn't get his gloves off fast enough. But then, unfortunately, you know, pretty much every player on the ice jumps into the middle of that. Everybody's kind of grabbing and pulling at each other. And Dryden Hunt never really did get to get his pound of flesh there. But he was trying. And, you know, for as much smack as people talk about Dryden Hunt sometimes, and, you know, why is he on the top six? And why is this happening? And why is he even in the lineup? You know what? This guy's a good teammate. He watches out for guys out there. And uh, I think this is somebody that I I've mentioned this in the past, and I'd have to look at you know, what players are going to be available to the Rangers at the start of the postseason here to know for sure. But I think Dryden Hunt has earned his spot in this lineup when the playoffs start. Not on the second line. Do not give me Dryden Hunt on the second line in the playoffs. I'm in complete agreement with people who don't want him there uh, in the long term and certainly in the postseason. But Dryden Hunt on the fourth line, why not? This guy has played his tail off for the Rangers all season. And again, uh, good job sticking up for his teammate in this instance here. And something else that kind of popped into my head while I was watching this, you know, scrum in the corner there is that the days of the Bruins punking out the Rangers, maybe even intimidating them a little bit, you know, just kind of having that mental edge, those days are gone. The Rangers do not back down an inch from this team anymore. Uh, that's definitely a thing of the past. They get right back in their face. Sometimes the Rangers, it feels like they almost go on the offensive uh, against the Bruins as far as, you know, extracurriculars and, you know, just 
downright physical play because they know they can do it now, and they know this team, they got nothing. There's no way the Bruins are going to push around the Rangers the way that they used to. Try though they might, it's just not going to happen. Another positive coming out of this game is that the Rangers once again scored on the power play. This is the fourth straight game in which they have done so after once again a two for 19 on the man advantage to start the month of April. So obviously nice to see this power play unit, uh, you know, kind of finding its way again and obviously converting on its opportunities down the stretch as we head toward the postseason. But the Rangers, they're down two to nothing going into the third period. We know they've been an excellent third period team this season. In fact, they actually showed uh, the Ranger goal differentials by period during this broadcast here. The Rangers in the first period for the season are a plus seven, so that's solid. Uh, in the second period, they're a plus four. That's good. Uh, and then in the third period, they are a plus 35. Something else that really uh, is encouraging about this team to me as they head toward the playoffs, this team is at its absolute best when it absolutely must be. And that was the case here at the start of the third period as well. Rangers get a power play opportunity and they actually were about to get a five on three because Alexi Lafreniere moved in up the left side. Another just beautiful stick handling play, you know, just faking the defenseman out of his skates. It wasn't quite as nice as the moves that he made uh, when he scored a goal the other night. But it was close. It wasn't too far away from that either. And he got hooks from behind and the ref immediately put his arm up. And, you know, obviously the Rangers are going to get a five on three. And anytime this happens, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought here. Do you keep pressing forward if you're the Rangers or do you give up the puck in order to, you know, get as much time on the five on three as you possibly can? I'm always kind of torn in instances like this, but I think if you've got the puck in an advantageous situation as the Rangers did here, you know, they had the puck on Boston's side of the ice and obviously Kreider was able to get to the loose puck. I say keep going. Don't give up the puck. It's easy for me to say this now after uh, what happened on this play, but yeah, you know, again, Lafreniere he was hooked from behind. The puck ends up trickling into the corner. Kreider goes and fishes it out. They keep the play alive. And then Kreider dishes across the goal crease to Mika Zibanejad on the other side of the night. And Mika just blasts it home. His 29th goal of the season. And the Rangers cut it to 2-1 to one, uh, less than three minutes into the third period. And then that also meant that because uh, this was still a delayed penalty against the Bruins and the Rangers scored, you know, before the stoppage and they were already on the power play, that meant that the penalty still had to be served by the Bruins. And so the Rangers got an additional two-minute power play out of it. Unfortunately, they could not convert during that time, could not find the equalizer. And then the Bruins got in the third period what I have to say is a pretty lucky goal. Now, I realize you watch this play, and I'll describe it in just a second here for anybody who might have missed it or kind of forgot what happened. Um, but I think it was kind of a lucky goal by the way this puck bounced. And what happened, basically, the Bruins are moving the puck out of their zone. They try to make a pass through the neutral zone, and it deflects off of a player, goes into the Rainer zone, bounces off the boards, comes back in front. Uh, the Bruins end up getting a slap shot on the one-timer, which Igor Shesterkin makes the save on that slap shot, but the rebound went right to Frederick, and then Frederick uh, buried the rebound, got it underneath Igor Shesterkin's right arm. Now, the reason that I think that this was kind of a lucky goal and not a skilled play, because sometimes, you know, we've seen the Rangers do this from time to time. Somebody will shoot the puck down the ice, knowing that their guy is going to get there to be able to beat out the icing, and knowing the puck very well could bounce off the boards and come right back in front of the net for him. We do see teams do that. I don't think that's what was happening here. I think the Bruins tried to make a pass, and it just didn't work, but there was enough sauce on the pass that it just kept going down the ice because uh, a Bruins player in the neutral zone actually touched this puck and redirected it. Now, why would he do that if that's the play that the Bruins were looking to make? You know, shooting it all the way down the ice, looking for that juicy rebound off the boards and having it come back in front. 
Maybe that is what they were doing, but I'm a little bit skeptical. I think this is a little bit of a lucky break for the Bruins. Again, the pass misfired, but it ends up being uh, a really good de facto pass that bounces off the boards, comes in front, sets up the Bruins for a slap shot that's saved, but unfortunately the rebound is buried, and uh, that made it 3-1 to Bruins. Rangers pulled their goalie with about 3.49 to go in the third period, you know, obviously down by two and looking to get back in the game, but obviously it just wasn't meant to be, and uh, the Rangers come up a little bit short in Boston. Again, there's nothing from this game that really concerns me that much, and not to make excuses, but yes, the Rangers were down a lot of their key players. As far as going forward is concerned, uh, we might as well just go through the rest of the Rangers' schedule here together since there's only three games left. Home against the Canes on Tuesday at 7 p.m., home against the Canadians the very next night on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., and then they wrap up the regular season at home against the Caps on Friday at 7 p.m. And I think if you're the Rangers, these guys that are kind of banged up right now, look, if they're good to go on Tuesday, that's great. So be it. Throw them back out there. But if there's any trepidation or any maybe we shouldn't do this kind of creeping in, maybe these guys could benefit from one more day off, whether it's Heedle or Cop or Caco or all of the above, then I say absolutely sit them against the Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday. And I realize there could be a division title up for grabs here, but I'd rather the Rangers get into the playoffs healthy and, uh, you know, anybody who's dealing with an ailment gets an extra day to rest, especially when you consider the fact that the Rangers are going to be playing a back-to-back in that situation. You know, the Rangers are going to be playing on Tuesday against the Canes, then Wednesday against the Canadians. So if you feel the need to ease somebody back into the action, that's certainly on the table. Something else that's on the table is that, you know, if you feel like all these guys are ready to go, you know, Cop, Kako, and Hedo, but you don't want to push it and you want you don't want to have them play both games of a back-to-back, then what you could do in that situation is throw them out there for the game against the Carolina Hurricanes, and then any of them that could use an extra day, you're not ready to have them play a back-to-back quite yet, especially with the playoff spot already secure. You can sit them the following night at home against the Montreal Canadiens. The Rangers have options. That's always a good thing, and uh, we're definitely going to be looking forward to seeing the Rangers battle the Canes for, you know, what could be the division championship. I think if the Canes win it, yeah, I think if the Canes win in regulation, they would clinch the division. If the Rangers win it, then they're once again tied with two games left. So it's a big game, and uh, we'll obviously see how it shakes out there. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL.